So Zack Snyder claims that this is like a female empowerment movie with the characters named stripper names and dressed as strippers for most of the movie. And actual strippers for most of the movie. Yeah. What I wonder are his uh, arguments for that. Because mostly it's ladies getting beat up and uh, owned as slaves. I think in his mind, it's actually the fact that it in the action sequences, they're like beating monsters. As though this hasn't been a degrading female trope used by video game players for years. Yeah. Also, how did you dress them while they were doing that? I know, right? I'm like, these women were not badass. No, also, they didn't actually do anything that was, like, nothing was ever hard for them. Yeah. In in the action sequences. And they didn't have, like, you know, characters. But it turns out this is why Zack Snyder doesn't write his own scripts. Good call. I lost everyone I've ever loved. Then they locked me away. With nowhere to hide. From the pain. You're afraid, don't be. To reach your own paradise. Just let go. What you're imagining right now, you control this world. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, a bad movie podcast. Where today we're talking about Sucker Punch from Zack Snyder with a bunch of ladies. Uh, and Oscar Isaac. <laughs> yeah, Emily Browning, Abby Cornish, Jenna Malone, Vanessa Hudgens. And then also John Hammond, Scott Glenn. Oh my gosh, what was Scott Glenn doing in this movie? I don't know what any of these women were doing in this movie. And there were so many women that like were talked about being cast but couldn't because of other roles. And I'm like, was it really because of other roles? Or did they look yeah. at the script and be like, mm, They were like, ooh, no thanks. Although this would have been right after Watchmen. For Zack Snyder. Yeah. So he still would have had a certain cachet. His movies have just been successively worse. I mean, with the exception of Sucker Punch, which is the worst movie of all time that he's ever made. But other than that, (laughs) his movies have just gotten successively worse since 300. Right, exactly. This was such a sexploitation film. It was. Actually, that's kind of the reason I went to go see it. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, the graphics are amazing. Like, I want to see this movie. And it was such, and like, I'm even someone who's like, if you do a tongue-in-cheek sexploitation film, I'll probably roll with it. I don't mind. It's like a, it's a genre. Yeah. But this was like so unknowingly done. You didn't feel like Zack Snyder thought it was a sexploitation film. No, no, I don't think so. But I mean, the outfits, the, the ridiculous, like, oh, the storylines, they were all so, and they didn't have to do very much. They never did, even though um, Baby Doll's main talent is dancing. Oh you don't my gosh, see her, I can't even. I know. You don't see her dance once. So let's just jump right in. This movie. All right. Uh, um, luckily, let's dive into this yeah. fetid pool. Exactly. We open, of course, with voiceover. Good. Everyone has an angel. A guardian who watches over us. Yet they're not here to fight our battles, but to whisper from our heart, reminding that it's us. It's every one of us who holds the power over the worlds we create. So it's every one of us, basically, that holds the power over our own worlds that we create in our head that don't matter to the real world? Is that what they're saying? Like, the dreams and thoughts that we have, we have some control over? I guess, but this movie also made it seem like if you imagine a battle sequence that you win, in the real world, you're also currently succeeding at whatever you meant to do. I know, it did kind of seem like that was supposed to be, like, somehow the thoughts we have in our head can influence the world around us, but that's blatantly untrue. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's not what the cult I started says. (laughs) Um, so questionable words of wisdom up front, but kind of that pseudo philosophical, so we get a lot of this, the pseudo philosophical, like bumper sticker wisdom. Yeah. But like meaning even less than usual. Yeah. It couldn't even go on a bumper sticker. Like it sounds good, but when you actually think about it, you're like, oh, that was either meaningless or just wrong. Yeah. So we see baby doll. This is all like 
no dialogue, mostly slow motion of baby doll. For some reason, who's wearing like a pajamas that are too small for her. Oh my gosh, her pants were so tight. I know, and they were really short. Yeah. So I don't know why they put her in this. Anyway, I guess it was a style. They were supposed to be short, but it made it look like they were just too small. So we see Baby Doll, who is around 20, and her much younger sister at their mother's deathbed, obviously killed by their creepy stepfather. He's furious when he discovers that the mother left her wealth to her two daughters and attacks Baby Doll, locking her in her room before going after her sister. Baby Doll scales a drain pipe in the rain to save her. And she's, like, losing footholds and stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm like, man, Baby Doll's got a lot of upper body strength. Oh, she does. And, like, real good grips for this metal, this wet metal that she's climbing up. Yeah. Um, But Baby Doll's too late. Her stepfather blames her for her sister's death and has her locked up in an asylum called Lennox House. By the way, this is entirely her fault because she had the gun aimed at his head and then didn't shoot. Well, and also, I guess, says nothing to the police, like, because she's in shock or something. So this is supposedly set in the 60s, but there's a lot of question marks as to how she gets to this asylum without ever having talked to the police, apparently, or being evaluated by an actual psychiatrist. Yeah. But that would take too long in our story and also cause a lot of unfortunate plot holes, so we're not going to do that. Would cause some unfortunate plot. You (laughs) are (laughs) Touche. When she's checked in, her stepfather bribes Blue Jones, the head orderly, to ensure Baby Doll gets a lobotomy. Since apparently it's the orderlies that control that. This guy is like, I run this place, and I'm like, oh, I don't think you do. Because the stepfather's talking to that, talking to Blue, like right behind her. So thankfully, yeah. we can see all this. The stepfather is talking to her, and he's like, she needs to forget everything she saw before the police talk to her, because the police will be really interested in her side of the story, and we can't have that. And I'm like, the police haven't talked to her yet? Yeah, there's no way that that would have happened, like, already. Uh, She would have been arrested before they were like, oh, she's crazy. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, we'll take your word for it. She's super nuts. Because she got committed for murdering her sister. Right. And not arrested for that. Right. And only based on her father's testimony. Yeah. And the cops, she ran away to her mother's grave after it happened in the middle of the night. And then the cops show up and give her back to her stepfather. Yeah. This already has so many problems. Yeah. Like just up front. Because then the head orderly, so the head orderly who also apparently can schedule lobotomies, he says he's going to take her to see Dr. Gorski, who likes to see all the new girls, which I hope so, because that's literally her job description. Yeah, she also like is the doctor there. Right. So she's the only doctor that's ever mentioned that we ever hear of or see at this place. We never actually see Baby Doll talking to her when Blue brings her by. And she apparently didn't talk to her before that she was brought there. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, she wasn't the one that evaluated her. There's going to be some more problems about, like, Blue and Dr. Gorski coming up. Like, Dr. Gorski is not the character that she should be. No, she's not. And especially in a movie that I mean, claims to be, like, feminist. feminist, this, this, her role in particular is extremely problematic. Yeah, don't worry. They address it in the last three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We see that Gorski likes to use acting as a form of therapy, encouraging the patients to act out their past traumas in front of everyone else in the asylum on a stage. And that's how you feel safe doing it. Yep. We get Gorski defending this basically by saying that we control the world in our own head, which is what the voiceover said in the beginning. Once again, not a legitimate form of therapy. Okay. (laughs) Well, it might be a legitimate form of therapy, but like you shouldn't do it in front of everyone. Well, yeah. And also sometimes that's not helpful to like actually relive your past trauma is not always the best way to deal with it. it, it, That's very true. As Baby Doll's being checked in, we see her noticing a sign that says all doors will be unlocked in case of fire. We see the blueprints to the asylum, a knife used by the kitchen staff, and the key around Blue's neck. Wonder if any of this will come up later. Then Baby Doll's... (laughs) Oh my gosh. Then Baby Doll's taken to a back room where she's going to be given a lobotomy by a John Hamm-shaped shadow. Only for us to realize, the last minute, it's just a scene being acted out by Sweet Pea under the direction of now Madame Gorski. We're now in Baby Doll's dream world, which is a brothel run by Blue Jones, a mobster, where her virginity is going to be sold in five days to the high roller. How is this better than being stuck in an asylum? 
spoiler alert, it's much worse. Yeah. If I was going to have some weird escapist fantasy while I was in an asylum, it wouldn't be that I was a sex slave in a high-class brothel. Wait, would it not? Yeah. Shockingly, I know. (laughs) Um, Shockingly, a woman in a vulnerable position who just lost her baby sister, probably her go-to would not be brothel. Yeah. Right? Especially from a, a place of privilege, since apparently she grew up super rich. It's weird. It's a weird choice, and it shows more than anything else in the movie that this was written by two guys. Yeah. In the asylum, the sympathetic doctor was in charge. This is so weird. There's an implication by the fact that Blue Jones is the mobster that runs the brothel, and Dr. Gorski is just the madam who's in charge of, like, the dancing and stuff. Yeah. That Dr. Gorski takes orders from Blue. Yeah, and and I thought that that was the case until we went back way later, and I was like, oh, that's not the case at all. Well, but it's heavily implied. And all of the conflict that we get in the brothel has Blue having more power than Dr. Gorski. Yeah. So In direct confrontations with her. Yeah, it really undercuts her... I mean, this isn't how it would work. And if she literally had that little sway as a doctor, then there would also be a male doctor at the hospital. Like, yeah. there was, there's never a situation... For one thing, I don't know why there's only one doctor at the asylum. But also, right. I don't know why she wouldn't be the authority figure. And it's yeah. heavily implied that she's not. It's, ugh, it's so weird. Anyway, basically the rest of this movie, except for the very end, is going to take place at this brothel. So just assume from now on until I say otherwise that we're at the brothel. <laughs> and we will say otherwise many times. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. It's like inception levels of imagination. Yeah. Rocket, another patient slash hooker, who's also Sweet Pea's sister shows her around the place where we also meet Amber and Blondie, two more patient slash hookers. Yes, Rocket is Jenna Malone. Yes. Baby doll scrubs the floor in a way that looks like it's just moving the dirt around. Yeah, that's every single movie like this. <laughs> it's always like, wait, what are you cleaning? Well, yeah, I'm like, scrub it, but then also dirt? like mop it. Like, yeah. The scrubbing isn't actually super useful. No. Except to, like, get the dirt up so you can mop it away. Anyway. <laughs> Rocket tries to steal chocolate from the kitchen only to have the gross head chef catch her. How do we know he's a chef? Why the hat, of course. Yeah, also he's enormous. Yeah. And I have to say that what she's trying to steal is baker's chocolate, which is not delicious. Well, yeah, even assuming that it's been sweetened, which is not a fair assumption to make. No. Uh, it's really coarse and gritty. Yeah, and it's bitter. I mean, I'm assuming it's the normal stuff. Which yeah, because if it's unsweetened, sweetened. then yeah, it's bitter and gross. But once again, written by men. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny, the chef, because I'm like, oh my gosh, like I read something recently about how gluttony was thought to just be like, like if you were fat, you were also supposed to be like lecherous and like uh, oh, brutish that, and all these th- that's things, funny. which is why um, yeah. for long, for like in medieval literature and stuff, cooks were very often villainous. Oh. Like, oh, it's kind of like a... Little heritage thing in there. Yeah, that's funny. Baby doll saves Rocket by threatening him with his own knife, which she then throws back into the kitchen. Yeah. She's a genius. Yep. And then they hurry off to dance practice right away. Oh, yeah. They're fine. Baby doll does a sexy dance for the rest of the class with Madame Gorski's encouragement. This dance is apparently so sexy, we can't even see it on screen because they couldn't think of one. Yeah, no, nothing could have matched what they were saying. Like, yeah. it's enchanting, <laughs> it's entrancing. To it's... every single man that sees it. Oh, yeah, they can And even the ladies are are very impressed by it. Yeah. Not entranced, Also, but... like, instead of kind of getting her, like, she, okay, so the doc, <laughs> Madame Gorski's like, you're pretty fit, let's see you dance in front of everyone, including the club owner. Yeah. No one will judge you. And I'm like, everyone will judge you. What are you talking about? And she just turns the music on and she's like, dance. <laughs> and I'm like, you didn't want to start with some basics. Yeah. Like, this is just. There's an assumption that everyone knows the basics of sexy dancing before they become sex slaves. That's fair. And most we ever see is her swaying a little bit with her eyes closed before we cut into the next scene and then like swaying a little bit as we come out of it. That's like all we ever see of the sexy dance. Yeah. Which, enough for me, sold. <laughs> so, during the dance, she imagines herself in feudal Japan, because what we needed was another level of imagination. Why couldn't she have yeah. been doing this in the asylum and then imagining herself in feudal Japan? Why did we need the brothel bit? 
I don't know, because I was like, honestly, I would rather have seen the asylum story. Yeah. Or, why does she need to be in the asylum? Why can't she just be a sex slave? Choose one or the other. Yeah. Like, you don't need both if you're also then going to have a second layer of imagination. Yeah. Whatever. She's in feudal Japan, where she talks to a samurai played by Scott Clem. How much did they say, let's get David Carradine, wait, he's dead? <laughs> And then they went with Scott Glenn. Yeah, Scott Glenn. I was like, I hope they paid you a lot for this, because this was pointless. I think it's the only reason he did it. He was very poorly cast. And well, and he, de- he was phoning it in. I mean. Oh, big time. And that's, like, why he was poorly cast, because they cast him in a role where he was like, mm, don't care, getting paid. <laughs> yeah. He tells her that to escape, she needs a map, fire, a knife, a key, and a fifth thing that's a mystery. Ooh. Much like Dorothy returning to Kansas. I don't know why we needed him to tell her this, because she already noticed these things. Yeah. But I guess we're just solidifying these are the, these are your fetch quests for the movie. I guess it's also another way to make Baby Doll helpless and, like, take away from the feminist empowerment message of the movie, where, like, she needs an old man to tell her this stuff. Why is it a man that needs to tell her? I mean... If you're going to make a feminist empowerment movie, why would you have an older man be the one that's directing all their their missions? Yeah, why couldn't it be an old woman? Yeah. But he's directing literally every single one of their quests in this level of imagination. Yeah, and I think this is supposed to be implied that he's the guardian angel that was spoken of in the original voiceover. He's the one whispering to their heart. None of that is made so abundantly clear that it has any sort of significance at all. Yeah. So then Scott Glenn sends Baby Doll out to fight a bunch of monsters in feudal Japan because Zack Snyder is known for his action scenes. Yeah, but action scenes with no blood. They were very video game. Yeah. And I Was honestly... Was this so that they could keep PG-13? Like, the samurais have light coming out of them. Later on, they're fighting, like, robot zombies that don't have any right, blood. That was odd because they were like, don't worry about killing them. They're already dead. And I'm like, why would anyone care about that? This is a I fantasy universe. I think it was for the PG-13 rating. Yeah, I wonder if they saw the movie and realized that this was most heavily going to appeal to teenage boys. Yeah, right. For some reason. Spoiler alert, it probably still did. Yeah. Oh, and literally like nothing nothing important ever really happens in these action scenes. So, no, and I have to say this was the scene where I was like Okay, I think we're 30 minutes in. <laughs> what is this movie about? <laughs> I was like, wait, seriously, what is the point of this movie? You were just told. Fire, map, oh, knife. <laughs> it's not enough, Scott Glenn. Give me more. <laughs> and this was actually relatively short. It was under two hours. Like, it could have had more plot put in it, but it did not. Yeah, I know. It, it was. <laughs> Honestly, they could have had a lot more plot without raising them time. They also declined that. Yeah. When Baby Doll kills the last monster, she comes out of her sexy dance and everyone applauds and we hear how great it was. It was the best thing ever. Later that night, Sweet Pea insults Baby Doll's dancing, saying that Sweet Pea's dance is personal, but what does Baby Doll say? Seriously? You're working at a high-class brothel. You're going to fight about this? uh, What does all that moaning and gyrating (laughs) say? Uh, That she's going to do great here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, for one thing, like, come on, you're not artists, like, you're strippers. Yeah. Also, I feel like now, now that they've said moaning and gyrating, I'm like, why is her dance so captivating then? It sounds like just a normal stripper dance. Yeah, also, it's funny because, like, you also can still be an artist while you do these dances, but, like, don't get all up on the person who everybody else loved and be (laughs) like, yours was dumb. And it's like, wait. Are you the only judge? Because if so, then maybe. But if it's everybody else... Well, especially since literally the point of this is to, like, keep guys interested. And that's clearly men. doing that. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're not doing it in a super classy way. Exactly. Baby Doll tells them that she's going to escape. The other girls want to escape with her, but Sweet Pea puts a stop to it by reminding them that the last three girls that tried to escape died. died. Oh, no. The next day, Rocket tells Sweet Pea about how Baby Doll saved her from the cook, and Sweet Pea grudgingly listens as Baby Doll tells them the things they need to escape. In an astonishing display of ego, the plan is to distract the men with Baby Doll's dancing while the other girls pick their pockets. As long as I'm dancing, they won't even know you're there. You showed up here yesterday! I know. This is the first time you've danced. You'd be convinced into it because you were so self-conscious. Yeah, but, uh... 
Now that I've done it once, pretty sure I know what I'm doing. I'm an expert. They decide to go after the map first. They get Blue to leave his office by telling him that Baby Doll's doing dance practice. And he races off. He closes the door behind him, but doesn't lock it. So it's not exactly rocket even science like, for Sweet Pea. Even like, he even looks at Sweet Pea with a look like, I'm closing this. <laughs> yeah, like, don't go in here. So, don't go in here. The door is closed. <laughs> Yeah. So Sweet Pea obviously just opens the door and goes in there. Yeah. Baby Doll starts dancing and she flashes to a steampunk World War One world where Scott Glenn sends the girls on a mission to infiltrate a German bunker to steal a map. That is really subtle metaphor, by the way. I know, right? Uh, and he also says this weird thing that has nothing to do with the movie. Remember, ladies, if you don't stand for something... You'll fall for anything. He's always giving out these, like, oh, one more thing. And then these weird platitudes. And I'm like, the, the problem isn't that these girls aren't standing for anything. Yeah. That's not the problem. The uh, problem is that these girls literally have had everything stripped away from them. And don't have any agency at all or choice or freedom. Right. That's, and yeah. that's not their fault. But whatever. Then we spend a lot of time on a mission that's in reality copying a map in an unlocked empty room. Yeah. Don't know why this is being portrayed as such a crazy battle, because it's not. Yeah, this one was e- way crazier than the last one. Yeah, and all the girls are there, and actually, all it is is uh, we don't see it, but Sweet Pea uses the copier in the office to copy the map. Yeah. So, you know, after her dance, Blue and Gorski talk about how amazing she is. This was such a Bella Swan moment. Yeah, this it thing really of like was. you're special because you're the main character. Like it was, if this had been written by a woman, I would have said this is the way like this woman wants to be thought. Like you know, it's. It, I mean, that's the Bella Swan thing where it's Absolutely. like, like Baby Doll is the best thing ever. She's so amazing. She's the sexiest thing to ever. Like she should dance for the mayor. She's just. I can't even believe we found. Her. I'm like, what is going yeah. on? She uh, didn't talk for 18 minutes in this movie. Like, that's when she started talking. Yeah. 18 minutes into the movie. She mostly just looks worried all the time and scared. Didn't have any dance training. Had to, was afraid to dance. But when she did, this is what happened. Yeah. But Guess she looks what? good in a schoolgirl outfit and pigtails. So yeah, people that are that unconfident are not a great dancers. Blue wants her to dance for the mayor, but Gorski doesn't think she's ready. She's perfect. Perhaps. Well, that is not for you to decide. That is for me to decide. Oh. It's my show, and I say she's not ready. (sighs) Clearly, I've offended you, and I apologize. Thank you. Here's the thing. This show might be yours, but the girls and you are mine. Blue overrides Gorski easily, though, making me question if we're supposed to believe that the orderly is really in charge of the hospital. Like, this is the scene where it becomes really abundant that Blue is the one that's in charge. Yeah. And this can't be a parallel to the real world. No, it it isn't. We see later that it isn't. And yet, honestly, like, there are things that happen in the real world where you're like, well, is it? Like, she, Gorski is the worst doctor of all time. Oh, absolutely. And she shouldn't be in charge of anything if this is what happens when she's in charge. Yeah. And she's being portrayed as a sympathetic character, but she's not. Like, she's the one who's supposed to be in charge. And so this either doesn't make sense or the writers did not understand the role of a doctor in a hospital. Later... Rocket thanks Baby Doll for helping her with the cook and talks about her relationship with her sister Sweet Pea in a character building scene that may or may not be real because once again, this is Baby Doll's fantasy universe that we're yeah. supposed to assume parallels real life. But at the same time, like Rocket and Sweet Pea are in an asylum for a reason, theoretically. Unless everyone just has family that's out to get them. And that's not what's implied for Rocket and Sweet Pea. Right. So Rocket's half story that doesn't even really tell us anything is even more meaningless because it doesn't explain why two sisters are both in an insane asylum where their family apparently doesn't know they're there yeah she she says she ran away and she's like and then sweet pea followed me which makes no sense because she never had a problem with mom and dad and i was like really you had such a problem that you ran away but like your sister was fine i can understand that if you're just like butting heads and you feel like they're 
taking away, like, your freedom or whatever. I can see that, but at the same time, like, that doesn't explain in any way, shape, or form. It may explain how you got kidnapped into working as a sex slave in a brothel, but it does not explain how you wound up in an insane asylum with your sister. Yeah. That's weird. Without your parents' knowledge. Like, there's so many things. (laughs) So you have to assume that this conversation isn't real, which means that it's not actually character building. No. But it is also later implied at the very end in the real world that this is, in fact, accurate. Yeah. Blue returns to his office and notices something's amiss. Because the copier is warm, he sees that the map has been repinned to the board. Backstage, Amber's tasked with getting the lighter from her client, even though it's still Baby Doll's dance at this the distraction, which seems like a huge insult to Amber. Well... Can Amber not distract a man long enough to steal a lighter? Apparently they can't risk it. Uh, that's kind of what they were saying before. They were like, oh, so we take all the risks? Like, you dance, and then we take all of the risk by stealing the things. Cool. Which is a fair point, although her sexy dance is so sexy that it seems like it's not much of a risk. But at the same time, I'm like, you're if he's your client in a brothel, theoretically he's taking his clothes off at some point. You can't steal his lighter at any point during that? Nope. He keeps it in his hand all the time. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And by the way, this client is the mayor, which just, like, adds a, a detail that is so unnecessary and, like, ridiculous. He's that the only one with a lighter in the entire yeah. place in the 60s. No one else had a lighter on them. Also, they chose the one person with, like, a heavily engraved lighter that yeah. seems like it's one of his big possessions yeah. that he likes and then is definitely going to notice that it's gone. So, good job. And not someone that just has, like, you know, a matchbook. Yeah, right? <laughs> There's so many ways to get fire that are not lighters. This time the scene is killing a baby dragon in its nest to get two fire-making crystals from its throat. So it's there's a baby dragon and obviously a mother who has to get killed, and then also apparently a bunch of orcs raiding this castle. But also they start killing the knights inside the castle when they're in the castle. <laughs> and also, if they had to kill both of the dragons anyway, here's the thing. Why did they give them such an insanely unsympathetic task? To kill a baby dragon and slit its throat to get the crystals? baby dragon was very cute. I'm sorry, I know they tried to make it not cute by having it resting on actual human bones. It did (laughs) not work. It was super helpless, and they killed it, and then they had the mom show up and be really sad about it. Yeah. And I was like, why did this happen? (laughs) You just made our heroes look like villains. Well, especially if you're going to give them a difficult task anyway, just have them kill the mother. Yeah, because at this point it seems like, oh, it was an easy task that you screwed up by not just, like, by, like, using the crystals from the baby to alert the mother that you were there. And, like, then they had to kill, if they had to kill the mother anyway, why not just make it a big dragon? Yeah. I don't understand. And once again, this entire mission that we're seeing is actually just... Amber, who's sitting on the mayor's lap, slipping her hand into his coat pocket while she kisses him. Yeah. That's what this is a metaphor for. Yeah, while he watches someone else dance. Yeah. Afterwards, Blue comes into the dressing room to throw around accusations about things being missing, makes a few threats, but doesn't even bother to look for the things that have gotten missing or demand that they be returned. Yeah, he also doesn't have any idea why things like that might be missing. He doesn't have any theories. He just, like, tosses things around and that's it. Uh, like, really ineffective. It makes him an ineffective villain. Oh, it does. Because he's not following through on anything. Yeah. And, and the things that they've had to do so far have been really easy for them. Yeah, exactly. But Sweet Pea's ready to call it quits. That yeah. was it for her. The others want to keep going, though, and they convince her to come around. Essentially, Rocket convinces her by saying, like, she's going to be doing it anyway, so. Yeah. Madame Gorski comes across Blondie crying by herself. She offers her help, and Blondie's about to tell her what's going on when Blue walks in. We cut to Rocket and Baby Doll in the kitchen waiting for Blondie to bring the music so Baby Doll can dance. But when Blondie doesn't show up, Baby Doll wants to give up. What's the point? Oh my gosh. She says... Hey, we got this far. How many people can say that? You copied a map and stole a lighter. Like, come on. This couldn't have been the only, the farthest anyone's ever gotten <laughs> in, in this an escape brothel. attempt. Yeah. I mean, clearly other girls got far enough that they were killed for escaping. Yeah. Yeah. It's also weird to give up since she never ever wants to give up. 
at another point. Right, this is only so that Sweet Pea can show up and be like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. But Sweet Pea does come in, and she cleverly thinks of turning the radio on. Oh. So, you know, real genius here. Nobody else thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) They bar the door and get the kitchen ready for the cook, who's way too unsuspicious about getting his own private show from these girls. Right. This time, the mission is disarming a bomb on a moving train guarded by robots. That is headed for a city that it's going to blow up, and the bomb's code name is Kitchen Knife. It's real subtle. Yeah. Maybe you missed the metaphor. I did. I didn't understand. That's why I brought it up. Can you explain that? <laughs> this time our words of wisdom are... For those who fight for, life has a flavor. The shelter will never know. This is That's fine. That's the dumbest one yet. But it is pretty generic. And also these women haven't been given a choice in fighting for it. So question mark anyway a water spill shorts out the radio right as sweet pea stealing the knife and rocket throws herself in front of her sister right as the cook stabs her because baby doll apparently can't dance without music yeah that doesn't make any sense her per dancing is that powerful she should be able to just keep going and it shouldn't break. And yeah they shouldn't notice it's kind of implied that she stops dancing because the music falls out which is dumb. Is terrible. Like, yeah. you're the worst secret agent of all time. Yeah. And also, you're the worst showgirl. Like, you yeah. shouldn't do that even on stage. Yeah. And you assume that's why the cook became suspicious. Although, I'm like, why would you wait that long to steal the knife? Yeah, I know. You've had so long. Yeah. So, Rocket dies from the knife wound after yeah. whispering to her sister to, when she escapes, to tell their mom she loves them. So meaningful or something. I know, except that we don't really know much about Rocket's relationship with her parents other than they didn't get along super well. Blue comes in and berates the cook without asking any other questions about what's going on. Just, how could you stab this girl? She's a moneymaker, basically. Yeah, I know. Well, and then he's like, you idiot. And, like, then we're, it's like we're supposed to feel sorry for the cook for being, like, I didn't understand. Some type of, like. Like he has mental disabilities or something? That was, I didn't understand, but that's kind of what it seemed to imply. Yeah, I don't know. And I was like, okay, I don't feel bad for him for a second. Also, if you're going to be surrounded by these girls, I don't know why you would keep your knives just like in a sheath around your waist. Oh, I know. Yeah, you don't let the patients near stuff like that. I'm sorry, we're in whatever. You don't let slaves that are like, you're worried about escaping all the time. Yeah, either one, and you assume it is, in fact, both. And only the best behaved people should be allowed access to any of that stuff. Right. But I think it's weird that they were cooking anyway. And scrubbing the floor and all of that. I mean, there are some forms of therapy that kind of encourage therapy through work, like through just being busy and having responsibilities. Yeah, but, and I was talking about like in the brothel. Oh, the brothel. Well, especially in the brothel because they're going to get calluses and stuff that you don't want your strippers to have. Exactly. Like, why would you, they, also like, you can't have both jobs. You can't have them be do like full-time brothel work. And also they're, like, right, helping performers. in the kitchen. Yeah, because they have to, like, learn dances and stuff. But also they have to scrub the floors. and It's, yeah. yeah. Especially since they're kind of the only four we see. I think by the number of beds, it's implied that there are more people there. This problem with this movie is that they, by, by not even seeing anyone else or having yeah. anyone else mentioned, it really makes it seem like these are the only five workers at this brothel. Yeah, exactly. Just like Dr. Gorski seems like she's the only doctor at the asylum. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's these things where, like, just mention someone or, like, I'll get her assigned to Dr. Gorski because I have control over that situation. Like, do yeah. something. Just, ugh. Yeah. It's like a five-person asylum. <laughs> right. We don't like to crowd them in. <laughs> so then Blue rushes Baby Doll off to perform for the high roller who's finally showed up. And that's definitely what I want to do, is I want to send my traumatized uh, stripper out for super important performance. Oh, yeah, that, you, that you've got a lot of money riding on. Yeah. Backstage, Blue starts ranting about the girl's ingratitude. Gorski tries to placate him in a conversation that seems to have no parallel with how it would go on in the asylum. No. There is nothing you can do to me. You listen to me, yeah. old whore. It's too late to play the good guy. 
It's far too late. You're suddenly not aware of what it is we do here? I teach them to survive. You. So Blondie breaks down and confesses that she told Blue everything. Blue shoots Amber, and then Blondie, because they hate snitches, seriously? Yeah, I know, right? You don't want the girls to tell you if other girls are escaping. Yeah. That's undesirable Yeah, too. you should have treated her better. Like, in a real situation like that, she would have gotten special privileges after this, at least for a little while. Right, because now everyone knows, like, if you are going to escape, you're going to be killed. If you try and tell someone somebody's going to escape, you're going to be killed. Yeah, just don't tell anybody anything. Yeah. Trust me, in a prison situation, you want snitches. Yeah. Um, and this is why it's so weird that he acts like Dr. Gorski is complicit because she was there when Blondie was confessing. Yeah. And she facilitated the confession. Mm -hmm. So it's weird that then he's mad at her. And Gorski hasn't even helped them inadvertently. No. Like she's done nothing. No. And in fact, she was like, no, she's not ready to dance for the high roller. Like, you yeah, shouldn't exactly. have a dancing for people. So, like... If anything, she was inadvertently disrupting their plan. Yeah, trying to. After he kills them, he says he hopes Gorski's learned a valuable lesson. What? I know. Then don't love things. Yeah. Well, There's your lesson. Just, yeah, because she didn't help anyone. Yeah. It's so weird. Then everyone leaves but Blue and Baby Doll, and he starts whining about, you know, the other thing, though, is that unless Gorski is also supposed to be kept there captive. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't be being portrayed as sympathetic as she is because she's in a position of authority and yet she continues to let these girls be kept as sex slaves. It's kind of, I mean, yeah, so they have her actually, like, before she's dragged away, she's like, I teach these girls to survive you. Right, so and his, So I don't know, like, is right, she so also kept there? No yeah. idea. Um, but once again, now we're back at not being parallel to the asylum, so this whole conflict is, is dumb, because it doesn't yeah. actually mean anything, except in some fantasy that Baby Doll has created for herself. Yeah. Everyone leaves but Blue and Baby Doll, and he starts whining about not being able to sleep with any of his prostitutes. Oh, poor Blue. I know, that's so sad. Also, I don't believe you. Well, yeah, and I'm like, the reason you're not sleeping with Baby Doll is because you're selling her virginity for an incredibly high price. Are you yeah. really not sleeping with any of the other non-virgins? Yeah, don't believe that at all. And, yeah. and if so, that's your own choice. Like, well, yeah, like, you can either have a small fortune for selling somebody's virginity, or you can sleep with a virgin. Like, these are decisions that every man must make for himself, but... <laughs> He tries to rape Baby Doll, but she stabs him with the knife taped under the desk. Where did they get the knife? I thought they didn't have the knife. He thought they didn't have the knife either. He was wrong, although for justifiable reasons, because they shouldn't have had one. It was very confusing. Baby Doll takes the key from around his neck and frees Sweet Pea from the closet. They try to escape, but get stuck at the main gate. Baby Doll realizes the fifth thing, the mysterious fifth thing, is sacrificing herself so that Sweet Pea can escape. She says, you're the only one of us who ever had a chance out there. What? She says, you're the strongest one. And I'm like, how? She's the one who didn't want to do any of this. Well, she was portrayed as being kind of the leader of the girls in the asylum. But at the same time, if these girls are all in an asylum, theoretically, all in an asylum, theoretically, Baby Doll's the only one that's not crazy. Yeah. Or, this is the worst asylum on the face of the planet. Like, these girls should probably all be nuts, in which case Baby Doll's the only one that's sane, so she's the only one that should be able to escape. Yeah. This is the other problem with having it be an insane asylum versus a brothel, because in an insane asylum, people are there for a reason. And maybe they're not being treated well, or whatever you want to have, but yeah, they are, in fact, there for a reason. So Baby Doll then distracts the guards as Sweet Pea escapes. The main gate's unlocked. Because when they say that all of the gates unlocked in the event of fire, they also mean the front gate? Like right. the main gate? Also, I don't think that that would have been the case in the 60s. That all the gate, all the doors are unlocked and the gates in case of fire. Yeah, I'm willing to believe that like just for the sake of this movie, that it was at least an option. But I really don't think the main gate right. would have been unlocked. Like, I know. Like, you would have been able to get out onto the grounds. But especially if this is where they're keeping criminally insane people, 
you wouldn't, or like people that were capable of murder if they had mental breaks, you probably wouldn't be like, in case of fire, the main gate unlocks, enjoy your freedom. Like, well, also, you don't want people getting in. That too. So, a lot of problems here, but it works, it works flawlessly. Baby doll, or Sweet Pea escapes, and Baby doll's taken back inside. Now we flash back to the asylum where the doctor, who is still John Hamm, who was the high roller also. Yes. Gives her a lobotomy. John Hamm's thrown off by the look she gave him just before he does it and questions Dr. Gorski about her. Gorski gives him her background, including that in one week she stabbed an orderly, started a fire, and helped a patient escape, which I have to say, none of those things seem like they would help her case that I'm not crazy, my stepfather set me up. Right. Um, but Gorski wished she'd had more time with her. Ham asks why she signed off on the procedure, and she says she didn't. Which makes me think that, so what, what Blue said to her stepfather was, I'll forge your signature. No, her signature. Her signature. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was his. So yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Like, who else would have done it? She acts like there's somebody else who would have done it. I know. Okay, so no other doctor is ever mentioned, but theoretically, let's just say there's another doctor out there. Does no one else look at this paperwork? Did Do- did John Hamm not talk to any of the other doctors before he did a lobotomy and be like, okay, so this like, is the one? Okay, like, Dr. Gorski, you, you want me to do this? You sign these papers? Right. Because she's not being taken to a different facility to do this. He's coming in to perform the lobotomy. Also, yeah. Blue has previously said he's done this dozens of times before. So, like, isn't John Hamm suspicious? John Hamm, who's already having qualms about performing lobotomies in general, wouldn't he be suspicious when one asylum had dozens of lobotomies being performed? Also... All with the same signature? And then never talks to her. Because she's yeah. like, no, I'm fundamentally opposed to lobotomies as a whole. Yeah. Well, and then, like, why is she walking in and she's like, oh, what a shame. Yeah, That was weird in, in itself. <laughs> yeah, walking in, what a shame. And also, like, I wish I'd had more time with her, but I'm like, if you're her primary doctor, you're the one that's talking to her and seeing her, why wouldn't you talk to the doctor you thought had signed off on this and be like, no, she shouldn't get a lobotomy, I need more time with her. Yeah, I don't understand how that news even came to her that she was like, oh, meh, meh, meh. Yeah. And how has she not noticed this is something that's happened before? Like, there's so many plot holes with this whole thing. Lobotomies were not just handed out left and right. A couple of orderlies take Baby Doll back to Blue. And then all of the orderlies decide for no apparent reason that they don't want to hurt the girls anymore. I know. Oh, my gosh. They're all like, we're not doing this anymore, Blue. Yeah. Like, we don't then, like this. I know. I'm like, what is going on? Either you're evil, awful people who like to abuse insane girls because they can't fend you off or you thought you were doing something good the whole like you thought you were actually being helpful the whole time only to now discover that blue's been lying to you it's not just i don't want to hurt the girls anymore yeah i knew i was abusing them but now i've had a change of heart so weird but it doesn't stop them from giving in to blue and leaving her alone with him in a room yeah then Blue has some sort of weird mental breakdown where he's yelling at Baby Doll to come back to him and then starts crying because she's not there anymore. And choking her at the same time. And choking like, her. Mixed, mixed messages even right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's not done with her yet. I'm like, this was weird. <clears throat> because I'm supposed to believe that Blue has a relationship with Baby Doll. Even like a weird, like, abuser, abusee. Like, she's only been there five days. I know. But the cops bust in to the room on Gorski's orders because she's finally done something useful. They take her away as they take him away as he confesses that the stepfather bribed him. Sweet Pea then gives some meaningless closing voiceover and the bus driver, Scott Glenn, saves her from the cops who were trying to find her having escaped from an insane asylum. I know. Then Sweet Pea gives some more stupid voiceover that I guess is supposed to make me feel empowered. Who honors those we love with the very life we live? Who sends monsters to kill us? And at the same time sings that we'll never die? Who teaches us what's real? And how to laugh at lies? Who decides why we live and what we'll die to defend? Who chains us? And who holds the key that can set us free? It's you. You have all the weapons you need. Now fight. No. 
Yeah. And then, for some reason, there's a credit song with the cast singing Love is the Drug. It's because they had already bought the rights, and then the scene got cut, but the rights were expensive. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, and there was also, there was a cut scene at the end. There was an, an extended ending, originally, where when Baby Doll is brought back in, to the brothel, mm-hmm. the high she's taken into the high roller John Ham, who's going oh, to yeah. take her virginity. But he's like, I don't want to just like have sex. I want you like it's only means something if you like give it to me willingly. And so then they're like they. That's why I come to a brothel. Yeah, and pay for somebody's virginity. But he's like, it only means something if you if you willingly make the sacrifice, essentially. Because that was the thing from the beginning of the fifth yeah. thing. And then they, like, make out for a little bit, and then she gets into it, and then they have sex. And that was cut. And that was, like, right before the lobotomy. Yeah, and that was because they thought, in the end, people thought that it looked too much like John Hamm was still just taking advantage of her. Which he 100% was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because the other thing is, having sex with a guy to save your friend... It's still not super duper consent. So that that got cut, thankfully. Because the parallel was already tragic. Yeah. The parallel to losing your virginity being equal to a lobotomy, already really unfortunate on both sides of the comparison. Yeah. Ugh, this movie. Especially for something that's supposed to be feminist. Like, I can't what, believe your this life is got over. by anyone. Yeah. Your life is over if you lose your virginity. Well, and then also the idea that what was what was at the time sometimes considered a necessary medical procedure was essentially the same as being forced into prostitution. It's just really unfortunate parallel, both in the losing of virginity being the same as to like having a hole punched in your brain. Yeah. And something that the doctor performing it at least thinks is a necessary medical procedure essentially being forced into prostitution, like, essentially being raped. Like, both of these are unfortunate parallels in different ways. Yeah. And then the idea that this would ever be a feminist movie is laughable just because, for one thing, these women, like, you can't say that these women aren't sexually objectified. Like, that's all they are for most of the movie, including these really extended fight scenes where they're fighting in stripper outfits, essentially. Yeah. Holding big weapons. Like, you can't say that that's not, like, a sexual fetish that guys have. Yeah. And they're not actually doing, they're not actually qualified, like, fighters, you know? It's not like they're actually doing this. What they're doing is super simple and super easy. Yeah. And then Dr. Gorski, who's the one woman with any sort of authority, is portrayed as a bumbling idiot who doesn't even know what's going on in her own hospital. Yeah, I know. Her whole role was so strange. Yeah, because either she's an idiot who doesn't know what's going on in her own hospital, because she doesn't even seem to suspect that Blue's a bad guy. Yeah. Or she's under the thumb of someone who should be lesser than her and who anyone would back her up as being under her. Yeah. And yet she can't escape it. Like, it's one of the two things, and both of those are terrible and not super empowering for women. It would be better if she was a villain. Yeah, I know. Like, just just go ahead and be like, she's the one getting the bribe. Like, it doesn't, you know. Yeah. Because at least then she would be smart enough to know what's going on. Yeah, instead of just like, I don't know what's going on. And no, that's a, what a shame. Yeah. And he said what he wanted, actually, which I think is funny. He has a quote saying, a while ago I had written a script for myself and there was a sequence in it that made me think, how can I make a film that can have action sequences in it that aren't limited by the physical realities that normal people are limited by, but still have the story make sense so that it's not, and I don't mean to be mean, like a BS thing like Ultraviolet or something like that. And I'm like, okay, well, you didn't succeed. No one thing. I don't know how this is better because now you just made the action scenes to where they can literally just be chopped out of the movie and yeah. not lose anything because they're meaningless. This isn't even a parallel where somebody's dramatizing in their own mind. No, it has stealing nothing something. to do with it. Yeah. And actually that would have been way better except that it would have been a comedy. Yeah. Where somebody's dramatizing in their own mind, like stealing this thing. And so it's essentially that. But I'm like, you know, you act like this is such an impossibility, but Scott Pilgrim was that. Yeah. Um, and it just generally works better in a comedy than a drama. Yeah. And um, 
it's just like it's just so unfortunate yeah and the whole thing where it's like oh the movie was a twist it's really sweet pea who's the main character yeah sweet pea story i'm like yeah we've seen that before though like this would have to be the first time for this to blow anyone's mind well it's also not sweet pea story though no it isn't i mean they say like oh it's your story because you're the one that gets out and i'm like yeah except that it's not your story because literally all we've seen is baby doll's perspective she's the only one we know hers is the backstory we saw hers is the sacrifice Yep. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. I know. It's like saying that The Hobbit is actually Sam's story because I know. he's the one that makes it out all right. And he the stays. Shire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not, it's completely erroneous. Yeah. It's just like, I could have forgiven a lot of this if they'd given the characters anything, any substance. Yeah, I know. And nobody had one at all. Mm-hmm. Amber and Blondie, we don't even know anything about them. And really, even Sweet Pea and Rocket. No, we don't. And well, we definitely don't. don't know anything about Sweet Pea. Yeah. Um, and they would have been more interested. Like, it, I don't know. Because the other, I mean, it's just the problem of, like, when you set it in this imaginary world, you can't be sure what's real and what's not. Because my problem is, none of the behavior that we saw Baby Doll show proves that she's sane. Yeah. What would have been way more the, interesting? The dissociation is not a huge thing. Right, going paper. deeper and deeper into your imagination to where you're essentially seeing this whole thing as just a fantasy. That's not uh, like that's not winning her any points on the sanity scale. Yeah, and it's just what would have been a way. What would have made way more sense actually at the end is if we discovered that actually the stepfather was telling the truth, not about like bribing for the lobotomy, but if. If she actually was crazy, had yeah. had a mental breakdown, killed her ste- killed her uh, sister, blamed it on her stepfather because of some weird problem she had with him, like maybe she just always hated or, or she suspected like, her stepfather of killing her mother and then she had a mental breakdown, killed her sister, in her mind blamed her stepfather, Right. went to the institution, created all sorts of trouble, had to have the lobotomy because it was the only thing that could be done at the time. And in her mind, created this elaborate backstory to where it wasn't her fault at all. She was just a victim. Like, that would have been way better. Yeah, definitely. Very realistic. (laughs) Yeah. This movie did not do well in theaters, as I'm sure you remember. It was a huge bomb. Its budget was $82 million. And frankly, I'm kind of surprised it was that low. Considering Mm -hmm. the amount of special effects. Yeah, there were a ton. But I guess they were a little cartoony, maybe, so that helped. They kind of were. They weren't going for ultra-realistic. Yeah. I mean, it looked great. Yeah. Everything about it. He's got such an eye for visuals. Yeah. In that sense, he's an amazing director. Unfortunately, he's not great with story. But... <laughs> so, $82 million for the budget. The box office was $90 million. Nah. So, it did not make its money back. Wow. Um, And that would have been the worldwide box office, I'm pretty sure. So anyway, next up, we have Final Destination, one of the classics. Yes, where death is a villain and a serial killer and out to get you. Well, I, I always knew that. In the most ridiculous way possible. Well, you know, death has to keep his accounts in line. <laughs> There's no escaping him. That's what we find out, I think. And that's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.